0: The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host. And each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman came from a broken family and was the youngest of eight children. There wasn't much money, and she ended up living with her aunt, who showed her what abundance looked like. In college, she studied fashion and enjoyed quick success. But then love came along and she married and had children. Her husband and she founded a wine business, but she wanted something more for herself. She decided real estate would give her flexibility and good income, and she became what seemed like an overnight success. But her husband died and she found herself alone with six children. After his death, she moved to Italy to be closer to his family. And in this culture, she saw very different social norms for women, an insight that put her on a path to greatness to help women be more. Today, she is back in the US and as a real estate broker and life coach, she is changing how women live and view themselves. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Brenda Dabari. Hi, Brenda, thank you for joining me
1: today. Hi, Annette, so good to be here. Thank you for including me in this amazing platform that you have created. It feels great to be able to connect with people who might be of like mind and who are looking for inspiration in other women. So thank you. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun today. And we're going to have such
0: a little time together. And I have so much I want to draw out of you. So we're going to get right to it. Okay. So you lost your husband and found yourself having to raise six children by yourself. So how did you manage to move forward with such a shakeup in
1: your day-to-day reality? you know i feel like the first year after in looking back now i can recognize that i operated in a state of shock there was like a sense of a uh, physical floating almost it was almost like a loss of the physical touch of earth so i don't know exactly what all i pulled on and i knew i had six beautiful creations counting on me to come up with something <laughs> and I've always had a lot of drive to just experience life and just take it on, take it as it comes, not get disappointed. I think that part of, you know, you mentioned broken home as a child, but I was never a broken person. It was really, really in my soul and in my way of being to just take everything in in stride and not really have grand expectations. And I want to talk about that maybe a little bit more if we have time because that was a double-edged sword. It was, you know, not having grand expectations allows you not really to ask much of yourself, but it also allows you not to be disappointed. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. So when that happened, I wanted to make sure that my husband was a tangible reality for our children. And two of them were only 22 months old. Hmm. Um, my, Our youngest, the twins. They were too young. I knew they wouldn't have any actual memory of him. Our son was only eight. And, you know, all of them were under, 17 and under. So I wanted to give them some sense of his person, of him being around. And so I decided to move to Italy because all of his family is there. And so they had cousins. They had grandparents. They would have stories that didn't come from me. And it would be a discovery of a lot more about who he was just because you learn so much about someone when you know about where they're from. And even though we had gone back and forth our whole marriage more than 20 years, I still learned so much about him that I didn't realize because I was looking through a different filter without his presence there. But that was the whole premise. I wanted to give the kids their daddy. And I wanted to get out of where we were because I could kind of feel him everywhere. And while someone might find that comfortable, It drove me out of my skin because it was like a tease. It was like he wasn't there, but I kept feeling him, but it wasn't pleasant at that moment yet. It is now. But that's where I was at that point. So the decision to take the kids over, um, live in a new culture, his culture, be near his family, that was really the driving force.
0: And and one of the things that I sense from hearing you tell that story is that you have to have personal
1: grace with yourself, don't you? Mm -hmm. Because it does take time.
0: Yeah, to sort through
1: that. Yeah. you. What I have learned in my journeys is that the less negative talk you're giving yourself, the less you're beating yourself. You're going to make mistakes. I still make mistakes. I've always made mistakes. We make mistakes if we ever try to do anything that pushes us a little bit. We're going to make mistakes. Maybe once when I was younger, I might have spent time saying, you know, negative things to myself i I don't know what sentences i would come up with but you know i'd be like you know what made you think you could do that that sort of thing you know those those sort of self-limiting bad talk i've learned to let go of that we make mistakes it's okay tomorrow's a new day and we go on and it wasn't easy to get the decision i took a high school senior and a high school freshman. Mm. Uh, and a college freshman and a fifth grader over to a school system that they didn't speak the language. There were moments that they didn't support my decision. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) And there were moments that I thought, what have I done? You know, these self-doubt moments, but I just believed in what I was doing. And so I just went through it and I forgave any missteps along the way.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. And that self-forgiveness is so important, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it really is. So, so often women get an upfront look at the inequities of treatment of men versus women. Mm-hmm. So did you see this during
1: your time in Italy? And if so, how did it change you? You know, Annette, that was one of the biggest sort of culture shocks. I was always taken in as an Italian. I speak the language fluently, spent many, many years of my life going back and forth, living in a family scenario, not hotels. So I always felt kind of Italian. But going over there without my husband sort of as my filter really gave me a different impression. And I was able to perceive things I hadn't before because I was a married woman before and now I was single. So men were approaching me in a different way. And I was looking at the culture in a little bit of a different way. And I love Italian. So please don't anyone take offense that I'm talking bad about Italians. But I noticed that they seem to be in a different era with the way women are spoken to and regarded. It's still much more smile, honey, you know, that kind of thing that we've, you know, I know we have a long way to go, but we have really made it a long way as well. And it really stood out to me that if I smiled too much to someone, which I, I'm a smiler, I love to smile. I feel it. It comes from my heart. It's not, it's effortless. I don't try to smile. My face just does it. And I found that that was being mistaken as, you know, being interested in a different way. You know, I found a lot of comments about women drivers and women this and women that. A lot of these old things that we've tried to wash our society of are still very much alive and going there. So it was a bit of an eye opener for me. So it changed you in terms of you realizing that
0: the bubble you were living in in the U.S. really wasn't the same all across the world.
1: It wasn't, and it made me more because I think that sometimes, at least with my personality, sometimes I think you just need to try harder as opposed to really realizing, you know, no matter how hard some people try, it's not going to be given to them. Like it's a much harder battle than it should be. And I'm in New York City, so it's a very progressive city. And we see a little less of certain things here. There are a lot more powerful women in business here. It's a normal part of our landscape. So it isn't quite as off or quite as challenged as it might be in other areas or places where that isn't such the case. You know, in in Italy, they still have quite, the older generations are still given preference. It's very hard for young people to get a start. You know, there's those sort of things that exist and gender is, is in there as well. Women work, women are very much part of the workforce in Italy just as they are here, but they might not quite get some of the jobs that we are able to now get here. We're not done. We're not done at all. We we have a lot of work to do yet. (laughs) But it was, it was interesting for me to live in a culture where they might not be quite where we are with it. And so it kind of, it made me more cognizant of it and more aware that, oh, this really, really does exist. And there's a lot more work for us to do. There's a lot, a lot of work. And I have five daughters. Oh, we got, we so got to I, 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 I it this. In here. <laughs> Aside from my own path, because I'm, I'm a type that just doesn't take no, but I have five daughters that I want to see run the world too. Right. You know, and I'm so thrilled that we have Kamala Harris as a, an example now, and so many other women who are breaking through, we, you know, we're still not there in the CEO categories, but we're hammering, we're hammering, we're, right. we're knocking our way through. So absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely.
0: So, One of the things in our earlier conversation, you told me that it bothers you that women don't demand more themselves. So the question to you, is it as simple as they
1: don't want more or is it more complicated than that? I think it's far more complicated than that. And when I say something like that, it really is something I have learned and recognized within myself more than it is a criticism about other women. I know that I really never demanded Me, my time, stuff for myself. I'm a giver by nature, and I hope to always stay that way. But the problem is you have to make sure it's reciprocated. You have to make sure that you're getting as much as you're giving. Um, And it's not because it's a tally. It's not a score sheet. I gave you one. You've got to give me one. It isn't that. It's a matter of not putting yourself second, not putting yourself behind, because the more you do for yourself, the more you have to give. And I think it took me my whole life. I think I'm still realizing this in a more tangible way and just taking the time I need to dedicate myself to my work, to things that make me more powerful so that I can give more to my children, to my friends, to my husband. I'm remarried, by the way. Um, You know, to everyone around you, the more that you have built up of yourself, the more you have available to share. And I'm not speaking about monetary things. I'm not talking about buying people things. I'm talking about the richness of your conversation. I'm talking about the warmth of your embrace. I'm talking about the capacity to empathize, the ability to listen. All of those things come with developing yourself and taking care of your own needs. Yeah,
0: and I think that's so wise, Brenda. I really do. I'm so glad you shared that perspective. in this thing a little bit. So it is easy for all of us to get comfortable in our day-to-day environments. And you told me there is danger in this because we miss things. So what did you mean by this? And how can we be more aware of what is happening around us as women?
1: It's so funny because we all are built to use our own filters. And when we get used to a certain, whatever it is, it could be our own home or our job or things that happen around us. If they're not on our Radar. If they're not what we're focusing on, we start to filter them out because otherwise we might become overwhelmed if we take in every little thing every day. But the problem is you can become sort of, you know, stuck and not keep pushing yourself to grow if you allow yourself not to be curious like a kid, you know. Well, how did they build that? When did, when would the you know any question you see a kid asking you and they're like you know making you late and you you just want them to stop you you need to appreciate that curiosity and make sure you don't let it go away within yourself because you get inspired by noticing new things and you push yourself to grow and you find out things you may not have known to look for by not getting too filtered and keeping yourself open and listening, and looking, and seeing, and being observant of what's around you.
0: And when you lose that curiosity, you really do miss things, don't you? You, you almost have a tunnel vision. You really Absolutely. do. Absolutely. You just, you don't see things. Right, right. I agree with you 100%. And, and we are all so guilty of it at times. We have to really, really yeah. check ourselves on it, for sure. Especially in this, part of in this pandemic type thing. It's really, I think it's gotten worse for people in some of Groundhog years. Day. Groundhog <laughs> Day. You're exactly right. Over and over. Yes, <laughs> yes. So as a child, you were deemed talented and gifted. But instead of being thrilled, you saw this as a burden. So I want you to explain this. And also, I'm going to ask you, what would you tell other women who are different than others about how to navigate life?
1: Yeah, so I think, and I'm experiencing this raising my children still, my 11-year-olds. Children desperately want to be like everybody else. We don't like our light to shine too bright, mostly. I mean, that doesn't mean that if we know how to sing, we don't like attention for it. But, you know, we want to kind of share our experience in life with our people around us, our peers, our colleagues. We kind of want to fit in. We don't want yeah. them looking at us in any special way. We don't want to be investigated or inspected in any, any certain way. But what I found with kind of being picked out in school and being, told, you know, you need to go sit for this program or that program, I was living where I was living. That was where I was, and it wasn't pretty neighborhoods and things like that. And what would happen was I would be sent off to better schools, to their talented and gifted programs. And while that probably was a great thing, I'm sure that I my education really helped carry me through a lot of things, but socially, it was very hard for me because I could see how differently I lived from my new peers. You know, I didn't have the intact family. I didn't have the beautiful clothes. I didn't have the trips. I didn't have the paid for sports after school and the lessons and and all of those things. Kids notice it from the other way too, that you're not as good as they are is the message. And I think that we take that in. We don't tell ourselves those words. Oh, I'm not as good as, as others. It's more of an unspoken energy that we sort of assume. And I don't think I was any different from other children that grow up with great disparity in their reality versus their like outside life. I think that it has a mark on you that might take a while to overcome. And it definitely did for me. I just sort of felt like um, there's an us and a them kind of category in life. And I just never felt like I deserved things for some strange reason. Now, this was not, I didn't tell myself, oh, Brenda, you don't deserve things. I think it was just all part of that growing up and those various painful experiences that sort of build your armor and lower your demands and your expectations because you feel like, you know, for some reason, that's not your path. It takes a lot of, you know, I'm a very introspective person. I've spent a lot of time studying the way I tick and the way others tick. And we all do the same stuff, by the way, but uh, (laughs) it takes a long time for us to objectively look within and sort of recognize the way that we have co-created our experiences and how we played a part in either getting somewhere or not getting somewhere, achieving something or not achieving something or not even going for something. We play our part in that. It's not just a matter of what society gives us. It's also a matter of what we're prepared to take. So I know that it took me a long time to sort of get rid of that armor that I had put on through my childhood. Uh, It took a while in adulthood to sort of get that off and realize, hey, you know, I have the same shot as anyone at anything and to want it and to be willing to risk going for it. And to be proud and glad that you were talented and gifted. (laughs) I did not speak of my challenged growing up for the first 25 years of my adulthood, I was ashamed. And, you know, I, it's not like I walk around, woe is me, here's my story. Of I know is what it is, but I'm not ashamed of it anymore. And I don't pretend to have come from somewhere I didn't come from. Whereas when I was younger, I pretended to come from, you know, much nicer things than I really did because I didn't want to be disregarded like the way the kids did in school because I didn't have what they had. Right. So... It's like it was a built-in sort of story-making defense that you do non-consciously. Of course, yeah, of course, it's a protection. It like,
0: is mode, yeah, it, it really it is, absolutely is. So, going to continue. You told me that success for you is not defined by money. So, my question to you, Brenda, does this mean
1: you don't like money? And oh, what God, the, <laughs> money. <laughs> do you love money? Okay, <laughs> so even though no, it's not, you like money. Now, an element of success is absolutely money. Money makes life grand in many, many ways. We can do things that we can't do without money. Everybody loves a great vacation. Everybody loves to buy whatever they wanna buy, right? Whatever it is, everyone has their own idea of what's important. Somebody has to buy a yacht. Someone else couldn't care less about that and just wants to have a comfortable home. You know, whatever it is for you, um, money is good. And I like money and I'm not ashamed to strive for financial success. I enjoy financial success now, and I'd like to build on it. I'd like to be able to do more with it. So I don't mean that it's not part of it. What I mean is it's not everything. You know, to me, if you don't feel good in your own skin, no matter how glossy you dress yourself up and what you live in and what you drive, you're not going to really be happy. So success to me is feeling really healthy and happy and enjoying life that's success money is an absolute element it is very hard when people can't pay the bills it is very hard to rise up and do all of these things that people say go meditate go work out go work out where when you can't you know afford to get a car to go somewhere so you know money is a very very beautiful help in life and it's definitely an advantage to have it so it is a part of success But to me, you're not a successful person. And and I'm speaking of myself. I'm not a successful person if I'm not treating other people the way they deserve to be treated. If I'm not treating myself the way that I deserve to be treated. If I am not raising my children the way that they deserve to be raised. So those are all elements of success. For me, when I get up and give someone a seat that needs it more than I do, that's a successful move. That all of that sort of thing is part and parcel um, to what I consider to be success.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a beautiful way to put it. And I think it's good to remember that we have to anchor ourselves in many things besides our financial worth. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm gonna go a little bit deeper into the personal space with you, Brenda. You thought you would never marry again, but yet this recently changed. So what did you need to make a marriage relationship work for you again?
1: So first I should explain why I thought I never would. I thought that I never would because I found that it would be very difficult. I have six children. They are definitely my priority. And it is very difficult for a grown man uh, in my age interest who is interested in putting himself aside so that you can put your kids first. So that was really the main thing that I thought, you know what I'm just not going to be interested in remarrying because my kids deserve to have all of my uh, focus that they they should have and that they need in order to succeed in their lives and be you know set off on the right foot like I deemed part of my contract when I gave birth. That was one reason why. The other reason why is I've grown a lot, I'm tough to match. <laughs> Um, you know, I am not going to get less than, you know, what I consider to be someone stronger than me in many categories, intellectually, courage, like all of these different ways. Like I want someone equal or better. And that's hard to find in a single person because many times people become single because they're fighting their own demons. So that's not always, and, you know, things happen to different people. So I'm certainly not broad stroking this. It was, it's just very hard as you get older to find the right person to date who isn't dealing with a whole host of their own stuff. It is difficult and I have my own stuff. So I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I felt it wasn't good for me or my children for for my focus to be finding that. So if it came, it came. If it didn't, it didn't. I kind of thought that it probably might not just because most men like to have some attention too. <laughs> and my husband gets attention. He, he definitely does. But my kids were younger. They're getting older. It's getting easier. I'm down to two minors, uh, four adults. So it's definitely easier now. It just definitely was not on my radar, wasn't my focus. I figured I'd date, have fun, but it would kind of be that. And I didn't find a reason to remarry, really. I already had my children and, you know, you didn't need you didn't need a man to support you and then no no I I didn't need anyone in that regard
0: right right and you were already used to raising your children so it wasn't like you needed somebody to step in and co-parent
1: yeah I always felt so much stronger than anyone I dated that it almost was like adding another child which I didn't need <laughs> and that could just be I have a bad re- dating radar it could be. <laughs> So, so
0: Brenda, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other
1: women? Well, honestly, the thing that I can say has made me reach a level that I feel really happy about is delving into sort of self-development and learning kind of what makes you tick and how things work and what's important and getting rid of all of the bad chatter that that's many people, not just women, men and women, can have to themselves. Those are the things that have made me more successful in my real estate career. They have guided me toward adding a career of life coaching and executive coaching. And that really was fed by being a mom because there's a whole lot of figuring stuff out when you're a mom and figuring out how to empower your children to figure their stuff out. And coaching really fits beautifully into that because, uh, you know, coaching, we never, ever tell someone what to do. We're not advisors. We help people see their own way. We all have our own way, our own right, and our own things to figure out. And you don't need anyone telling you what that is. So I would say a very important part of me sort of blossoming in my 50s, which I feel like I am, I feel like I'm still coming up to my prime. It's really been learning about that sort of thing, learning about myself, learning about how things work, and getting rid of all of the superfluous stuff that just doesn't matter. Figuring out what matters to me and going for it. That's a beautiful way to
0: wrap up. Wonderful, wonderful gift of wisdom that you're leaving us with. And thank you, Brenda, so much for taking time from all the crazy things you're doing as a mother and your businesses and stuff to come and share your nuggets of wisdom. Thank you, Annette, for having me. It's been a pleasure. And Brenda is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds.